Welcome back to Revelation On Demand Podcast, a podcast interested in what the Bible has to say about our lives today. Join us and see what revelations we find today. I'm your host, Justin D. Myers, and I'm joined today, as usual, by Mr. Chris Hess. How you doing, buddy? Hey, it's a beautiful morning. The Lord's been plenty blessing lately in my yep. personal life and for those around me. And um, it really does show me that, you know, how we know, with all the dedication we put into the Lord and our church, that it's really... It's always going to pay off when it when it comes to God and putting others first. Yeah, yeah, no, and we we have a new little blessing in our family here. We've got uh, number four, who is now with us in the world, and her name is Savannah. She was born at eight pounds flat, so her and mom are home and comfortable and doing well, and all the kids are all the older siblings are now back, so. I'm in charge of that. My mom takes care of the newborn. So. Oh, fun. Oh, yeah. No, it's a blast. I I got a lot of time to just kind of relax. I I took some time off of my day job just so that I could, you know, focus here and give her what she needs. And, uh, yeah, but she's recovering real quick. So that's wonderful. This is probably one of her quickest recoveries from childbirth. So, uh uh, we're just truly blessed, and I'm glad that everything went off without a hitch. And we have an issue with uh, jaundice in our family. Uh, one of our kids got, our first kid got treated like really severe jaundice, and he ended up under like severe UV treatment. They had to IV him and everything. He was in there for four days after they dismissed him. So that was oh. fun. Oh, uh, yeah. Ever since we've we've seemed to, especially the girls, since they're summer babies, mom tends to get a little more sunlight, so they get a little more. Uh, oh, their jaundice, their, their bilirubin is much lower. So I'm just just glad, glad that everything went well. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah, and I was kind of surprised with the COVID, the way things are going with COVID. They weren't terribly strict. I mean, we had to wear masks everywhere when we were in there. They let us take the masks off in our rooms, but anytime nurses came in or stuff like that, I had to mask up because I wasn't getting tested. But they tested my wife, and she came back negative, so she was allowed to go. As long as she was in the room, it doesn't matter who was in the room, she could have her mask off. I had to mask up, depending on the nurse, but most of the time. So I was going to say, it was just me and her in the room. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, if they mandate that um, a woman giving birth had to wear a mask. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> we were joking about it before we fi- figured out what exactly they wanted. My wife was like, I'm not giving birth with a mask on. <laughs> I was like, I can't blame you, honey. And I don't think they're going to stop you. <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a good thing. Praise the Lord. Yeah. <sighs> But what do they, I mean, our, our gracious governor just passed a law or bill or something saying that now government employees can come house to house here in Colorado and um, convince people to get the shot, which I think is honestly a little, it feels like an intimidation tactic. They're not going to intimidate me, but it feels like that, you know? Yeah, whether or not, I, it depends on how well they can implement that. 
Yeah. But they at least, you know, granting them permission for that. I mean, that could be, like you said, an intimidation tactic, even on the level of uh, said governor um, in that event, just to convince people to get it yeah. more often. So they're like, oh, I don't want anyone showing up at my house. Uh, not to say that they won't use it. We don't know. Yeah. No, I think it might be just to let government employees go through densely populated areas and talk to people about it. I think that might be what it's for. I don't honestly think they're going to come knocking at my door because we're clear out in the country in the northernmost part of Colorado. So if they come out to my door, then I know that they're serious about this, but we'll see. And then you were talking about new variants over in uh, uh, Missouri, Mississippi. Where are you living again? (laughs) Uh, Over in Missouri. And yeah, so recently, well, the United States has, you know, inherited ever so lovely um, a couple new variants, a few new variants of Uh the virus. And one of them primarily did uh, just so happened to come from uh, India and, you know, Southeast Asia. Yeah. And it's a quicker onset of symptoms, new symptoms, and it's basically a combination of all the different stuff you definitely don't want in a virus to right. make you feel really uncomfortable or sick. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so we're going through some stuff out here where, where places are actually starting to close back down. We had a height of... Um, infections during the pandemic we were one of the most infected states so go figure that we're gonna get one of the first waves of something that's new to the country and so Mm -hmm. they're actually starting to close down some shops somewhere in uh, one of our more densely populated cities um out where i live and it's you know (laughs) it's it is what it is i know Lord's yeah. got me in his hands and you know, we're all going to stay safe. Uh, but you know, it's definitely causing that, you know, that stuff again and uh-huh. it's starting to slow down business again, which uh, I mean, that that's always the solution for rough. these people whenever they get scared of anything. But, and by these people, I don't yeah. mean, I'm not blaming anyone that would be uh, <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> I don't want to get into it. Yeah. But, yeah. Right. Right. So over the past couple of weeks, I've heard some, some, I've heard a lot of people talking about this vaccine being the mark of the beast and the vaccine card and stuff like that. And honestly, I've heard some new stuff that kind of has made me rethink all that talk about the mark of the beast. And I'm thinking there's several points in scripture where we're kind of called marked by God or chosen by God and stuff like that, where the mark of our belief of our following is doing things that we see God doing sort of thing. So we're marked by our faith sort of thing. So I'm thinking since most of what this whole, you know, end times thing where the devil is trying to copy everything that is good, I think it's going to end up being much in the same way. I don't think it's going to be like a physical mark that you're going to see. I'm honestly thinking that it's going to be more about like your life is marked by the way you live 
sort of way. So Whoa. just by observing, you, you see what I mean there? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that really, that yeah. really gets me thinking. Yeah. No, I, I think it's guilty by association with that because right. it really is, as we talked about in the past, um, where, when we were covering revelation, for those of you who are new, uh-huh. um, that the, the mark of the beast was going to be implemented so that people can progress through society uh-huh. and um, prior to end times and post um, apocalypse yeah. or, you know, post rapture. Um, uh-huh. Not necessarily the entire thing. Yeah. Post rapture, pre rapture. Uh-huh. And uh, it, you know, it's going to really help people out to advance in society to fit in. And I think uh-huh. it's guilty by association. However you label yourself, that could be a big thing too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, and in the part where it says that you'll need the mark to to you know trade, buy and sell, whatever, I think that means that when at the time that this is that that revelation is talking about, it'll be so taboo to be a Christian that no quote unquote upstanding merchant will do any business with a known Christian. So. I, I can imagine that that's in a just, lot of places that you do definitely. Well, that's already happening in yeah, some places. Say, you get sideways looks. I get sideways looks when, I mean, I used to, at least when I lived in a more liberal city mm-hmm. uh, um, with that, you know, if I addressed myself as a Christian, if I saw something or if I walked into a store and the entire place was, you know, just reeking of sin, I mean, for lack uh-huh. of a better way of putting it. And I was just, you know, keeping collected to myself and, someone would uh-huh. tell me like well why aren't you into this sort of thing and i'd be like well i'm a christian or <laughs> uh, you know i'm a little more behaved than that um <laughs> but anyway <laughs> yeah so that's just what i've been learning about that i wanted to put a point in there as we transition over to more what we talk about so last episode we finished up our all of it uh study our course on the four books of the uh, all of or four chapters of the Olivet discourses. And last time I had a brain fart and completely forgot the group of people that I was trying to talk about at the time. I think I did a good job in, in describing who they were. And I'm sure everyone who listened to it was yelling at it because I was, when I was listening back to the episode, I was like, Oh, it's prosperity gospel. That's what I was trying to talk about. You know, the guys who say, send me X amount of money and God will bless you tenfold. And they twist scripture to make it say, you know, the more you give, the more you get. So, Right. That's Which also led us to talking about, about televangelists very briefly. And, yeah. Uh, well, and well, just for the record, our, we, we have our very firm opinions on a lot of things. And <laughs> as you will, it's all up in the air for the exact phrasing of opinion. Yeah. But um, a lot of, you know, it, it seems like a scheme with a lot of prosperity gospel people that are like, hey, you know, you invest, it's like an investment, you know, you should, putting, you should be putting investments towards God in your community and your church and not necessarily, you know, feeling like one, feeling like someone that is starting to claim like they're holier than thou uh-huh. should be able to fix that for you. You know what I mean? That's your communication yeah. with God and that's absolutely free. Any time of the day or right. night. Yeah. 
And one thing I have the biggest against the prosperity gospel guys is that they, they treat money as if it's a way to talk to God or to serve God. And, and what I see that happening is that especially with people who have more means, they just end up, you know, signing a check and saying, Oh, I'm good. I've given to the church. I'm, you know, I don't have to do anything else. Whereas, you know, sometimes just, just volunteering at your church is worth more than money, you know, as a youth pastor and my wife being a, a children's, you know, minister or a director, just getting volunteers is huge. Like if you can volunteer one weekend out of a month or every other week, maybe that's huge. Like that's better than money. And I think any pastor or, you know, anyone in ministry would agree with that because we, we run off of volunteers. It's not the money that, that, Mm -hmm. that really helps. It's, it's people getting involved. And that's what God wants us to do. God wants us to get involved with his people. He wants us to work through the church. So that's my biggest issue with the prosperity guys is that they tend to breed this air of, oh, I paid my dues. I don't have to do anything else. Yeah, yes, sir. I mean, any church, and like you just ask, to, uh, talk to them. They're, they, um, sometimes church can seem intimidating, like it's so systematic. Yeah. How do they, how do they deal with all this? How do they interpret a lot of things? Maybe they're too busy for, you know, my problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, no. just go up and talk to them. Yeah. Like, no. Seriously. They're people too. So yeah, yeah definitely. All right. We got to get most, going on yeah, we, we last get episode going. <laughs> real quick and then get going on today's chapter. Huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. No, we spent almost 15 minutes just free associating here. So, uh, what happened last episode, Luke started talking about the widow's offering, which led into that whole discussion on the prosperity gospel and all that stuff. So yeah, widow's offering. Jesus took a look at a woman who had donated what was it? Two bronze two coins. pennies, basically. Yeah, two bronze coins, and, and which was everything she had. Yeah, he's like he basically said that um, in comparison to a lot of the rich people who were donating to the temple, bags of gold coins. Yeah. Yes, she actually had something substantial that she gave them. Uh-huh. That was everything she had, like you just said. Yeah, and then Jesus prophesied about the destruction of the temple again, which we've heard twice already with the other Olivet discourses. Uh, and then he, we heard Luke's interpretation of the parable of the fig tree, which was pretty close to, I think, what Matthew had said. Right. So. And speaking of both of those, it was interesting yeah. to hear the disciples' reaction to the destruction of the temple because they were just mm-hmm. in awe of being at this place and being like, we're with, you know, God himself yeah. in the temple. This is already astonishing enough. And yeah. Jesus, you know, he tells them, you know, <laughs> straight this is up, nothing. <laughs> this is nothing. This place is going to be destroyed one day. He already foretold what was going to happen in, what was it? 60 years from then, 40 years from then mm-hmm. when the temple was yeah. to be destroyed by the Romans. Um, and they were like, what? You know, this place is built of stone. You know what I mean? And every yeah. stone will fall. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
So we finished up our Olivet Discourse, and we're going to be going into Daniel. But we're going to take a brief stop in the book of Jeremiah and see what the world is like at the time that Daniel was growing up and about to be shipped off to Babylon, as we'll hear about in the very first chapter of Daniel. So we're going into Jeremiah chapter 29, because I think there's some good... Uh, prophecy here that we're going to see f- fulfilled. So uh, we like to study prophecy here. So uh, anytime, I think when I can find it, I'm going to show you guys where prophecy is stated and then fulfilled in the Bible. So cool. this is going to be one of those sections where Jeremiah prophesies something and then in Daniel, we'll see it come to fruition. So uh, Daniel was taken to Babylon about 598 BC, and Jeremiah would have been a prophet at the time Daniel was growing up. He was about 25 years older than Daniel, and I believe you said that Daniel was one of the sons of David. Yes, with his third Who? wife, Abigail. Yes. Um, his, his true wife, in certain ways. Um, David ended up having a lot of kids. Uh, though I believe that Daniel was the one and only son of Abigail and David. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing, I'm guessing the time. So Daniel gets taken to, to Babylon around age 14. So I'm guessing David is dead at this point because there's another King that's talked about here in Jeremiah another yes. king of Jerusalem that's talked about. So shall we enjoy the scripture and uh, Lord folks, I'm going to do my best to pronunciate some of these names because you're going to yeah. hear, you know, some, there's a lot of old names in this. Yes. All righty. All right. This is Jeremiah. This is Jeremiah uh, 29 starting at, um, Yes, this is, excuse me, this is Jeremiah 29, starting at verse 1. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests. The prophets and all over the people, all the other people, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, there you go, had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiakim and the queen mother of the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the leather of Elisa, son of Shaphan, and to Jeremiah, son of Hilikiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. It said, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. 
do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Alrighty, so this is a letter that Jeremiah is writing to the leaders in Babylon. One in particular that we'll we'll hear about later, I believe that was uh, Zephaniah, who was a priest in Babylon. So at this point, there's already people being taken from Jerusalem to Babylon, because Jerusalem and Babylon are at odds with each other. I don't think this has turned into war, and Babylon hasn't quite overtook Jerusalem completely at this stage. So I do not believe Daniel has been taken to Babylon at this point, but this letter is to the people who are already leaders in Babylon for the Jewish people. So uh, we will see Daniel struggle with this, this want to come back. Uh, it's very, very common for anyone who's taken out of their place to want to go back to where they were. And, Throughout the story of Daniel, we'll see him struggle with this at several times. Just, you know, forewarning, he's going to be there until he's in his 80s. He gets there as a teenager, like 14-ish. And he, I believe he dies in Babylon. I don't think he ever returns to Jerusalem. Uh, But we see at the very end of his life, he's still talking about this exile and this, this separation. And we see him talk about several prophecies and different uh books of the Bible that will go over more. But right now, the Jews in Babylon are dealing with this sense of, we want to go back, and and they're kind of influencing their leaders, their spiritual leaders, to tell them what they want to hear. You know, they're like, oh, well, this exile will be short. We'll we'll go home soon. We'll we'll get out of here. But, But Jeremiah's like, no, guys, I'm talking to God, and God is saying, settle in, buckle up, you know live lives there like go be my people in babylon you know and this is one of those times where babylon is this this great empire that is just horrendous in what they do the way they treat people i mean these jews are treated as second class citizens in babylon so god's not approving of what babylon's doing we'll hear later in this this chapter even that god is going to bring destruction on Babylon for their sins. However, Babylon is the 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 tool with which God is using to punish Jerusalem for their sins. So it's one of those things several times throughout the Bible, you know, God God says to Jerusalem, "Here do this, I will give you this." He gives them this, they say thanks, and then a few years later they start building idols and sacrificing to other gods. And God's like, okay, well, I'll remove my protection. And that's where these empires like Babylon just come in and go, you know, pile drive Jerusalem and, you know, bring God's wrath upon them. So God's not approving of what Babylon's doing, but he is telling his people, go and be blessings to these people because if they prosper, you'll prosper. Which if you go all the way back to Abraham, he actually 
when he was talking to God, when God let him know to establish a great family after learning Uh of his sin and yes, it was Abraham and learning of his sin, learning what it is exactly what God had, you know, tried to show Abraham, Abraham tried to kill his son uh, out of rage. And that's when the Lord had revealed to him or when, you know, the voice of God had revealed to him, Hey, you know, this is what you need to be doing with your life now that you've had this realization that I'm here and that I'm always mm-hmm. going to be here for you. Um, was to establish a great family, to expand his horizons from his son to the next son, and so on and so forth. And that was to reside over Jerusalem and mm-hmm. uh, certain sections of Israel over time. You know, in modern day, you would probably, you know, say it was more to the west or you know in certain splotches by now but you know to build an expansive kingdom so to speak or domain and um (laughs) he did mention that at some point you're gonna need this because i will remove my protection and with faith your your family will not be affected but without faith you may die as well yeah, yeah, definitely, and and this is this is just a section where Jeremiah is calling out the people who say they're from God, you know, saying, "Oh, we're going back, we're going back," and this is, Jeremiah is like, "No, you're not listening to God," you know, and whereas Abraham, he had that direct. In fact, most of the time, it seems like he's talking to another person when he's talking to God, which maybe is a is a you know, something we should aspire to, but Abraham had that direct line of communication. Whereas Jeremiah is talking to these followers of Christ who maybe aren't as, you know, deep in their prayer life. So, or, or just being misled because of the way they're they're being treated and they find any sort of source of faith. And they're like, you know, pretty much they see this and they think these false prophets are legit because they see it as a following. They see it as um, a well-founded yeah. thing that they yeah. can end up, you know, grouping together and finding a way out of here, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, they're they're not liking life right now. Like I said, they're being treated as second-class citizens in Babylon. So anyone who's selling, you know, we're going to get out of here soon probably has an easy time of selling that. You know, desperate people oh, absolutely. Yeah. don't require a whole lot of convincing. So uh, opportunity off of the week. And that, uh-huh. that is something that uh, I don't, I don't like truly that modern day. I don't yeah. like that at any time. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that comes right back to the prosperity gospel guys, you know, like <laughs> right, right, right back around. <laughs> yes. False prophets and whatnot. You know, it's, it's desperate people are easy to sell to. So. Absolutely. Shall we continue then on verse 10? Yes, this is verse 10. I don't know where I'm at this time. (laughs) This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, 
and we'll bring back from captivity, bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and the places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. You may say the Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon, but this is what the Lord says about the king who sits on David's throne and all the people who remain in this city. Your fellow citizens who do not go with you into exile. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I will send the sword, famine, and plague against them, and I will make them like figs, that they are so bad that they cannot be eaten. I will pursue them with the sword, famine, and plague, and will make sure... Or, and will make them abhorrent to all the kingdoms of the earth, a curse and an object of horror, of scorn and reproach, among all the nations where I drive them. For they have not listened to my words, declares the Lord. Words that I sent to them again and again by my servants, the prophets, and you exiles have not listened either, declares the Lord. All right, so before I go into our mind notes, I want to start back up there at uh, eleven, verse 11, where it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. So right there, God is talking to this specific people in time. So I don't like it when people pull that and say, Oh, God wants to prosper you and not to harm you and plans to give you a hope and a future. That's not for us. That is Jeremiah talking for God directly to these people at this time. Now, God doesn't want harm to come to us, but that doesn't mean harm won't come to us. So the part in that that is for us is you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. That we can take to the bank still. That is true no matter what. So I don't like it when people, you know, pull scripture out and say, oh, God wants to prosper and not harm you. Um no, he's talking to a specific people at a specific time. So we need to be careful whenever we're we're getting these kind of uh, readings out of the Bible where he, God has a promise for a specific people or person, such as Abraham, that we do not take that as our blessing. Unless God has you know, prompted you to that in some way you could have some sort of agreement with God where he says, I'm going to give this to you. But to get to the point where you're talking to God like that, you'd be doing what Abraham does, where it feels like you're talking to a person. You know, I haven't even gotten to that. I've gotten some general ideas of what the Lord wants for me, but I, I don't, I've never gotten a clear, this is what you will have, you know? So maybe I just need to spend more time in scripture. You know, that could be a personal problem, but I just wanted to get over that first part where I've heard people say, oh, God doesn't want to harm you. He wants only the best for you. So. Can I at least make a declaration to go ahead. the opposition? Yes. Okay, if go for it. there's any context out of this that I wouldn't want to take out of context, but I totally am going to, is that whenever I am praying to the Lord, if I had to face an enemy, I will yeah. I will let him know and he'll recite this with me. I know he'll instill it in my mind and my soul is I yeah. will send the sword famine and plague against them and I will make them like figs that they are so bad they cannot be uh -huh. eaten. Yes. Yeah. I like and, the fig part. I really do. Mm -hmm. 
And this this is what I was talking about earlier, where he's saying he's going to bring you know hell down upon Babylon. This is that, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. This is this is where Jeremiah's like, hey, God's going to destroy these people for how terrible they are. Like they're not getting away with their sins, but you guys need to buckle in. You're going to be here for at least a generation, which ends up being about seventy years. You know, he's saying these guys' time will come. You just may not see it. <laughs> so, uh-huh. yeah, you'll figure. And then he's he's talking about in here where there needs to be you know true repentance. There needs to be that that seeking of the Lord. There needs to be that you're you're truly trying to do better to get that restoration. So, anything you want to add there? I think we covered it. Yep. That cool. Babylon's gonna, you know, they're gonna be eating and, some dirt. <laughs> yeah, and then, way, and then we see that, so. you know, over and over again in Revelation, where it's talking not necessarily about the kingdom Babylon, but the the spiritual Babylon, the whatever ends up being the Babylon that's talked about several times throughout the Bible. You right. Know, uh, we so. t- we talked about how um we actually we did talk about that a while back how yeah um it was sort of malfested into this. Uh-huh. You know, embodiment of embodiment of just corruption and um, yeah, a dark which yeah, which is why Babylon. You know, like we're talking about the the real physical Babylon right now, but like the practices of Babylon and the things they did were so abhorrent for the time that they lived in. They became you know kind of an archetype for the evil, you know, godless kingdom sort of thing. Right, like their like their example in history, of, yeah. yeah. Their their example in history became the archetype. So that's why when you see Babylon in the beginning of the Bible and Babylon in the end of the Bible, it may not be talking about this Babylon, but as of right now, we're talking about the OG Babylon. I guess you know what 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 had stemmed into the actuality that was New Babylon. Yes, yeah. Yeah. All right. Shall we continue at 20? Yes. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, all you exiles whom I have sent away from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says about Ahab, the son of Koliah, and Zedekiah, son of Maaseiah, who are prophesying lies to you in my name. I will deliver them into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he will put them to death before your very eyes, because all of them, all the exiles from Judah who are in Babylon will use this curse. May the Lord treat you like Zedekiah and Ahab, who, whom this, the king of Babylon burned in the fire, for they have done outrageous things in Israel. They have committed adultery with their neighbors' wives, and in my name they have uttered lies, which I do not authorize. I know it, and am a witness to it, declares the Lord. Tell Shemaiah the Nehalamite, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. You sent letters in your own name, to all the people in Jerusalem, to the priests of Zephaniah, 
son of Maseah, and to all the other priests. You said to Zephaniah, the Lord has appointed you priest in place of Jehodeah to be in charge of the house of the Lord. You should put any maniac who acts like a prophet into the stocks and neck irons. So why have you not reprimanded Jeremiah from Anathoth, who possesses a prophet among you? He has sent this message to us in Babylon. It will not be a long time. Therefore, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Zephaniah, the priest, however, read the letter to Jeremiah, the prophet. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Send this message to all the exiles. This is what the Lord says about Shemaiah, the Nehalamite, because Shemaiah has prophesied to you, even though I did not send him and has pursued you, persuaded you to trust in his lies. This is what the Lord says. I will surely punish Shemaiah, the Nehalamite, and his descendants. He will, not, he will have no one left among his people, or among these people. Nor will he see the good things I will do for my people, declares the Lord, because he has preached rebellion against me. All right, so we have a little bit of uh, foreshadowing of what's going to happen in Daniel. Anyone who knows Daniel well knows uh, what burning and fire means when they're talking about uh, Nebuchadnezzar throwing them into the fire. Oh, okay. Uh, so, uh, where it says here, there's that curse where it says, Lord, da, 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 treat you as... Oh, I lost it. Anyway, so, Jeremiah, I think, originally sent this letter just to Zephaniah, and Zephaniah turned around and twisted his words because I'm sure he wasn't very happy with being called out as a false prophet by Jeremiah. So it seems like this, this letter was penned twice, you know, sent once to Zephaniah and then just to the general leadership in, in Jerusalem so that everyone could hear that Zephaniah and Shemaiah were not, you know, prophets of the Lord. Right. They were helping. Yes. No, in fact, they were, they were, you know, twisting Jeremiah's words and, and, uh, not leading the people correctly, you know, saying, oh, this will be a short exile. We'll be back in Jerusalem before you know it. And Jeremiah is here to say, you know, no, it will be a long time. Therefore, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. You know, he's saying, God said this is going to be a long time. You know, a lot of you, especially the older people, are probably going to die here. So just start living your lives as you're commanded to do, you know, in the Lord. Uh, but there was this this flex in here. Uh, oh, where was it? Should have, should have. Oh, here. So, why have you not reprimanded Jeremiah from Anathoth? So he's talking about himself. Who possesses a prophet among you? He sent this message to us in Babylon. It'll be a long time. Therefore, build houses. So he's he's basically saying, uh, you know, why are you still claiming? You're, you're talking for me, you know, why, why haven't you said, oh, I'm a false prophet. So we, we see that he's definitely he's called him out on guys. that. Yeah, no, he's, he's basically called us like, you know, you, you say you're, you're still following me. Why didn't you just say, you know, 
he's a false prophet because now Jeremiah was a prophet at the time these people were leaving Jerusalem. So he was a trusted member of society and he, he didn't get taken with the people, and he still has, you know, this, this sway with people and he's writing to them regularly. In fact, most of Jeremiah is letters to the people who are being exiled. And he's just, I mean, he's flexing on these guys. I mean, just pretty much saying, you know, you guys aren't doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're leading these people incorrectly. Uh, you're going to be punished for it. Like Nebuchadnezzar is going to throw you into the fires, you know, and he's going to come up with his own reason. Like Nebuchadnezzar isn't going to throw him in the fire for misleading people. Other than the fact, oh no, he will for this because when Zephaniah and these other priests are, are preaching, you know, we're not going to be here long. It's insurrection. It, he is it, saying, yeah. he is, they're, they're saying we don't have to be here long. We don't have to be good citizens. We, you know, we can get ready to leave. We can, you know, not help Babylon. So this is insurrection under the King Nebuchadnezzar, which he will not stand for. So at some no, point, these people will get thrown into the fire for that. Right. And, Zephaniah too, I guess, with a lot of these priesthoods, is they were very blind to the fact that, um, you know, their their government wasn't going to their their king Nebuchadnezzar was not going to stand for one being misled, you know, misleading the people because mm-hmm. I guess he does care about the citizens of Babylon in that sense. Eh, well, he needs to get he needs to get his money anyway, or his gold, but mm-hmm. um. Yeah, so I believe they weren't really they were they were putting a blind eye toward the fact that Nebuchadnezzar would definitely imprison them and kill them just for being part of that system anyway. So mm-hmm. why I mean that that could be the Lord even looking out for them like hey, you guys are false prophets for one, you need to admit to it. And yeah. two, like if you don't stop it, you know, <laughs> there's more serious consequences for you than there is going to be for anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And then one of those, one of those things or it says here, I don't want to, you know, leave this hanging, but the, when talking about these false processes for, they have done outrageous things in Israel. They have committed adultery with their neighbor's wives. And in my name, they have uttered lies, which I do not authorize. Uh, I don't want to leave that hanging because were they committing, you know, physical adultery? Maybe, maybe not. What this is more than likely talking about is whenever we see idol worship and, you know, false worship, it's often tied back to, you know, sexual sin or, or this, this image of adultery, because we are, you know, the bride of Christ now, but back then it's still the same idea where this relationship with God is, is holy. It is, you know, sacred. So whenever we, you know, sin against that, whenever we turn away from that or, or twist, you know, these, these prophets are saying, this is the word from God. We're not going to be here long. We're going to get out of here. Whenever they twist that they're committing adultery in, in that way. Could they have committed, you know, legit adultery with their neighbor's wives? You know, yes, they could have, but this also, is most likely talking about that spiritual uh, influencing. Yes. Yes. That, that trying to lead people away from the Lord in a way, you know? Yeah. Makes enough sense to me. 
Yeah. Well, that wraps up my notes. You got anything to add? No, sir. I, I believe we got everything out for today. Mm-hmm. That was uh, a yeah. uh, solid section there. I'm glad we, we checked out the book of Jeremiah. I'm, I'm going to have yeah. to brush up more with this stuff because I'm definitely hooked on the story already. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And hopefully, if you're interested in reading more Jeremiah because of this, that'd be great. Uh, but as I said, we'll go into Daniel after this. I just wanted to give us a good idea of what's happening right at the time Daniel is getting taken to Babylon so that we have an idea of what Daniel's life was like before he got shipped over to Babylon because it doesn't talk a whole lot about what it was like to be in Jerusalem. So uh, I think the takeaway for today is we must be careful of who we listen to, you know, who we listen to as prophets, who we listen to as teachers. We need to make sure that we are double-checking what people say against the word of Scripture. This is why it's important that we read regularly. It's, it's a discipline. I know it's rough sometimes, but I, as I tell my students all the time, even a few lines every day is better than nothing. If all you can manage is you know five to six you know lines, you'll get through a good chunk of the Bible in a year. And I, I, any, any amount of scripture getting into your brain is better than none. So I, I, I would prefer spirit <laughs> right, oh, right. to that. Uh, the word is yeah. just so powerful as is. So uh-huh. yeah. I, I would prefer everyone, you know, read the Bible every year, but you know, I know that people are busy and they have all sorts of excuses for that. So I just say any amount of scripture every day is better than none. So it's good for your soul. Yes, sir. Alrighty. Thank you for listening to the Revelation On Demand podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. This is a completely private venture, and we receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me at revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless, and see you next time.